TG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. Firstly, an apology from me, it's not Paul Gardner's fault, that's the worst music selection I've ever done going for doing the hustle, because I couldn't think of anything with bustle, with Winnie the Group ones. That's my fault, my bad. Of course, all that audio, uh, courtesy of Sky Racing and Racing.com. Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals, good morning to you, mate. <laughs> good morning, Rolfie. <laughs> Uh, can we just get Donna Summer or something on there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hot Summer's <laughs> night? I mean, they did delay the races. <laughs> oh, my, well, did they delay the races? They missed race one. At, uh, and probably a, a lesson, uh, I'll put my hand up nice and early, Vince, lesson learned. Uh, I was keen on roots each way. Um, they're still animals and probably landing in 40-degree heat. <laughs> it's going to make it a bit hard for you. Well... It's never easy. It's never easy. It all gets back down to how things play out. There was always little question marks around the mile, just little things about like yeah. how hard if there's pressure. And, of course, the tail of the tape always comes out in the end and you get a bit more insight. And like everything else in life, it's always a learning process. And it's impossible to get everything right. It's one of these things. Do you really believe a footballer, you know, the world's best goal kicker is going to kick every single goal. He's going to miss some. Sometimes he's going to get a point. Sometimes he's going to just accidentally hit the post, the outside post, and be out, out of bounds on the full. I mean, this happens. That's it. Absolutely right. So before we learn a bit more, this this will make you laugh, Finn. So, of course, I, I ask our members every uh, every week if they mm-hmm. want to ask some uh, some questions to you from, from results. This time around, there was not one question about anything in Australia. I'll just I'll summarise some of these from John. Uh, long shot, really love to know what Equinox did in the Japan Cup without even being touched from Troy. Has Vince ever looked at Equinox in terms of a rating from Scott? Let's face it, the weekend was a bit average in Australia. I'd love Vince to know. Talk us through the race shape in Japan that would have made Prod and Jenny look slow. 57 seconds, first 1,000. <laughs> so did you, did you look at Equinox or have you got any feel for how good that horse is? I didn't look at no, that particular right. race, but yep. let's just say if we ran the Cox Plate, it wins by 10. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, what a superstar that horse is. Oh, it's <laughs> absolute pleasure to watch. Okay, let's uh, let's straighten up. Have, have a look at Ascot uh, and, and start off with uh, just how the track played in itself. It seemed like, Vince, it was pretty quick. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's probably – is that a good thing or a bad thing? I like to think it's a good thing yeah. for sure. And we always know one thing's for sure. The finishing post never moves and the rail bias never moves either, right? Yep. So when we sort of break it all down and we look at the, the profile, what have we got? Pretty much, there were a couple of races where they were lanes inside lane 10, which is what I call inside the lanes, and that was race four and race seven. They were the only two races that were inside the lanes. Everything else came from typically 10 to 12 with one outlier, and that was in race number five where they came from lane 15 and, and a back marker, the only back marker to win all day. What was it? Eight, almost eight lengths from the leader at the eight hundred meter point, which you know, Ralphie, how hard it is to do that. Uh, I can't really fault it. Outside of that, in terms of everything, was very, very typical. I guess the interesting part for me was the track. The track was, uh, you know, really. It, they should have an F in front of it. Yep. I know they don't like to use that word, but. There it is, the track speed adjustment, 4.2 lengths, 4.26 lengths faster than standard, Ralphie. So on raw times, Bustler, 12.7 lengths above benchmark. You've uh, you've adjusted it down to 4.4 lengths above benchmark. That's still uh, above what your expectation was to win this race. So uh, he's really delivered in a... In a the flashback to me was just a year earlier. The Tricks of the Trade showed talent as a three-year-old um, and uh, and really delivered in, in, in the race it was set for. And even that in itself, it's, it's not a bad filter, is it? And I know it's a logical one, but sometimes we all forget it. Pick the filter down the runners who are set for this big grand final. And uh, and once again, uh, this this uh, this was the, the horse that won the race. It was one of them that was absolutely, this was grand final day and good on the Parnhams. And your man, uh, in the way Steve Parnham rode this, fence because you said, get it, do a pikey, get out in the lanes. Well, I'm not saying you were saying about specifically this horse, but this is the way to ride the track. And that's what he did, Bustler. Barrier two, three wide, got into the best lanes. Yeah, I mean... Exactly. He really did, Ralphie, and you can see, you know, if, if you just look at the grid lane at the 200-metre mark is lane, lane 11, finishing post 12, very, very good. Just a couple of interesting things that I was listening to. One of them was, now again, when there's money involved, like I still lost in the race, yep. right, Ralphie, because I also backed Roots, but it was only a one-by-four, so from that point of view, I pat myself on the back because I could have easily have been more aggressive. But what was interesting this, because I was down to Tuvalu and Roots myself, right? Yep. I listened to the trainer of Tuvalu's and I was shocked. I was shocked because for me, he was felt like he was communicating really honestly in terms of, I'm not saying people aren't honest, but sometimes yep. people are a bit cagey about the way they give out information. Yep. He said that he looked at Tuvalu and felt that it needed another super hard hit out because he was disappointed the way it ran last start. Right. Right, and this is like four days before. So four weeks between runs at Mooney Valley and there was a reasonable time race at Mooney Valley? Well, yeah, I'm just sort of sitting back saying to myself, let's think about this. Why would you want that? process that you feel that your horse still needed more because he was disappointed with his performance at Mooney Valley. 
yeah. I look at it and say, okay, well, the horse did go out 3.9 lengths faster than standard through the first section that day. And if I go through its history, just in the last 15, 16 starts, it's like the second fastest the horse had ever gone. Okay, a little bit of a slowdown in the, mid, in the mid, but the horse couldn't have gone any faster over the last 400 metres that day at Mooney Valley plus 3.7 because this is the nature of the horse. It's a horse that likes cruising speed and pressure. Yep. So immediately my ob- – and he, what he said as well, this is why I said there was honesty in him. He said, sometimes I get it right and sometimes I get it wrong. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I reckon you got it wrong, buddy. Yeah. I reckon you got it wrong, so I'm off you, right? This is this is how I came down to the final call, Ralphie, right? Yep. Of course, there was always nervousness about roots, little things. Okay, we talked about it in the preview about the barrier, right? And that probably the only reason why it was a good price. But pressure in a race, hopefully it was going to be able to slide in. And then you look at the ride. It was a tough ride for Tommy, because everything went fast and there was no breathing in the race. They so, did not just breathe. Point, just sorry to butt in, but just on that point, the actual position in running, as far as getting in, doing what he could from the barrier, I thought that was just masterful. Oh, it was, it was <laughs> sensational. And you could almost, almost feel like he had a strategy, right? Yeah. And he was going to be, you know, wherever Pikey was, he was going to be, right? Yep. I don't believe he or anybody else could predict what took place. First of all, oh, Marincino, 8.2 lengths faster than standard, right? Machine, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, even with the track speed being like in the F2 range, the reality is he's still overextending, right? Like going fast. But there was no let up in the mid Ralphie, and this is probably what tore everything apart. Between the 8 and the 400, I mean, just the race field speed, right? Forget about any individual runner. It's almost plus four, right? Yeah. So let's look at Tuvalu. 6.1 lengths faster than gone. <laughs> gone, right? That's a world record for the horse, just gone. Yeah. And then still going three and a half above in the mid, gone, right? Roots, <sighs> pressure, 4.1 through the first section, 3.7 between the eight and the 400. Super, super tough, right? Yep. Bustler, I, I'm sitting back here. I still can't work it out. I mean, phenomenal. 5.3 lengths faster than standard through the first section. 3.8 between the 8 and the 400. And pretty much held its line to the finish. I mean, how well did they prepare that horse? Now, mind you, <sighs> this is just all about the art of the game. I was looking at this horse. I was never going to back it. But I thought fourth. Uh, guess get in the top four, top five. Like that's where I was thinking with this horse, that it was always some sort of a chance if the others didn't turn up. Well, I reckon a lot of horses did turn up, like big time. And Dom De Shoot was probably the one that I cried about the most because <laughs> you reflect back. It's too late. You're like I lost. I'd lost my money, but I thought oh, I wouldn't have liked to back that for a place. But no. I mean, and that was a, a that was probably the run of the race. Was Dom to shoot came from an impossible position, and was like phenomenal all the way through. I hope they have one more run with that horse in Western Australia because there's recovery to come. Um, so just I'll ask you more. Well, while, while you just mentioned it, um, would you go eighteen hundred northerly in two weeks or fourteen hundred Gold Rush in three weeks? Dom to shoot. Oh, oh, there's, there's your. It's got to be between. eighteen, doesn't it? 
I don't know. <laughs> oh, this, so see, this is the art of money now, right? Yep. And I don't know myself personally who's in that gold rush field because I'm not thinking that well, far ahead. For a members bonus today for our group one members, Zaki's favourite, and we'll talk about Zaki relative to what happened here. So that, that'll be right. keep, keep your powder dry. That will give okay. it to our group one members. That'll be All the right. members bonus. But back to Bustler, what we did say, and look, it's pretty obvious, but last spring ran second to Amelia's Jewel. So, we were, you know, we knew he, he had talent. And, and to, to back over your point about, you know, if others didn't turn up, He's just exploded to a new level, hasn't he? Well, he has, Ralphie. He's um, been able to clearly demonstrate his capability and has been able to lift again. Of course, I I sort of sit back and say, that number's like very close to being like right on point. I even had a look at the matrix and the matrix was sort of indicating that it was thereabouts around that 4.2 range. So I feel confident that firstly, it couldn't really change the intel on the run and therefore we've got ourselves into a scenario that this horse has come back this time round a genuine two-length better horse and the training preparation was outstanding and obviously the ride was like superb and I'm just sort of sitting back and I'm looking at that run Ralphie on the 11th of the 11th at Ascot have a look at what the horse did in that race 2.7 lengths above first section plus 7.3 in the mid perhaps that was all the ingredients that really prepared the horse for a tough race because those combined two first two sections, what is it? Uh, plus 11. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So um, and the, uh, the the middle horse there, as far as the middle of the two that we've discussed, El Safina, um, that, that was not hard to find, obviously. And, again, we've got to underline Pike, Team Williams are back, and, and they got a, his, their horse to peak in the grand final. Just found one better. Yes. Does that mean these any of these horses go in this race you're talking about, the gold yeah. run? Yeah. yeah. All of them, probably. Yeah, there'll be a few. Because uh, it's be too much money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, Al Safina took the next step, Ralphie. Yep. And really came to play, and there was just one horse better than it. Probably just not battle-hardened enough to be able to cope with who again Ralphie I'm just sitting back here saying it was clearly outside of my projection scope about the high intensity it was this was group a uh, wait for age type racing style of the olden days just super high octane from the start to the finish and there's nowhere to hide nowhere to hide Good stuff. All right, a couple others I'll ask you about in the uh, in the Group One uh, pod as well. As far as the uh, the Guineas is concerned, well, you said there were only two horses that won inside the lanes. One of them was Zip Away, and it was one part of a uh, a very big day for Steve Parnham, obviously. And by the look of the uh, of the data here, he's uh, he's gone forward for the first time, but gone forward at an absolute cruise, and that's going to make it very hard for any horse to catch him. If if the horse had any talent, and it was definitely uh, had enough talent to win the race. Well. If you could ever be gifted with that sort of race shape, 0.7 below benchmark, where do you want to be on a track that's racing fast? So that means if you look at the technicals, it's probably at least inside two to three lengths inside that track speed. Yep. So that gives you a little bit more in terms of uh, conserving energy. And then even in the mid-race, have a look at the, the contrast, right? between the first section and the second section, the increase in pace is only, like, it's not even a length, Ralphie. Like, look at zip away, 0.7 below to 0.1 above, and then everything's left for the last 400, and 
plus four is good enough to to win your race. So I, I mean, I, I looked at that run of what is it, a lot of good men. Wow. Yeah, what, what did we learn about this horse? Well, I felt impossible position yeah. personally. But the way it stormed home over that last 400 metres, okay, let's allow a little bit for the softness of that first section. But even allowing for that, this is a, a real serious sleeper. And, and I'm not saying it caught me off guard, but I'm, I'm looking at this horse saying, wow, you're um, definitely a lot better than what I'd been scoring you. That, that's what I came up with in the end. <laughs> Fair enough, too. Uh, in the, uh, I know you would have been uh, okay, but a little bit annoyed in, in race six because you would have had the uh, the place on side, Magnificent Andy, but Let's Gallivant was not only too strong, but it's produced a pretty reasonable figure, and the two in the finish there, Let's Gallivant, Magnificent Andy, both rock hard fit. I suppose that gives an extra tick to Vastart to do what it did first up. Uh, this is probably the other one for me on the day. I mean, yes, I did... Um, put money on Magnificent Andy and, and got a result. But that horse, Let's Gallivant, I actually wanted to put that in the top four and, and it was just on the death knock I chose not to and left that Billy Rain. So I was disappointed in myself personally on that because I could all the markings were there for this horse to be worthy of being a, a genuine contender. So probably a little bit disappointed from that point of view. Well, the horse's ability, it's its clearly there. I mean, just this campaign alone, it's had performances that have been in the plus two range. And then I look at the structure of this race. Again, have a look at it, Ralphie. Beautiful. 0.4 below benchmark through the first section. Tagging that lead speed, what, 3.7? Fantastic in the mid-race. Going 4.7 lengths faster than Sanders between the 8 and the 400. Not an overextension in terms of the squeeze in the mid-race. And lastly, 2.6 lengths faster than standard last 400 metres. Just couldn't have put it down any better. And overall performance, plus 2.2. Fantastic. Magnificent Andy. <sighs> okay. Oh, the ride, right? Yep. Did he just go that touch too early? On the visuals, it looked like that. And then I looked at the numbers and said, yeah, have a look. 1.4 lengths above benchmark through the first section. Golden position. Winning position. Didn't over uh, capitalize in terms of the mid-race, like going 3.6 lengths fast and standard. But there's the extension. Have a look at the extension, Rolfie, between the four and the two. From 0.7 to plus 2.2, and then produces a negative uh, 0.6 lengths below benchmark last 200. That's the little sign of just going that half length too fast to one length too fast. Easy for me to say, Ralphie, I'm not a rider. Yep. And that's the difference between winning and losing because he probably thought he had the race won. Can I say to you that the difference between winning and losing in race five in the uh, in the scale was uh, was in the end due to the insane speed, rock hard fitness uh, that Be Optimistic had and Casino 17 uh, just third up and wow, that, that was heat here. Oh, this, this was another high-powered race. 11 lengths above benchmark. Black Fantasy, where do they come from with that? And <laughs> Mr. Popcorn, you know, like, I don't know what the hell they were doing. But the interesting thing is here is I don't believe both the winner and the second horse were, horse were running off that speed. I, I felt they were probably running more... I'm not even sure if it was the No Apology or the Atlantis Beach, but I felt that that's where they were at because they were out... They were outside the zone in what I considered to be, you know, genuine winning positions. So they both ran superbly. 
All right, Casino 17, 4.5 above versus be optimistic, 3.1. Is that the difference in the handicap of winning and losing that one and a half lengths closer to the speed? It's hard to say, Ralph. You just be optimistic, which is so strong late. I mean, it was just so... And that's what I'm saying. Deep fitness compared to Casino 17, third up. Yep, correct. Yeah, just super strong. All right, no, no doubt that'll be the uh, a Caulfield Cup. Uh, sorry, Caulfield Cup, a Perth Cup lead in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll ask you about a couple of others. Uh, just seeing your data as it as it comes through. So, firstly, at uh, at Cranbourne Charterhouse wins the uh, wins the Cranbourne Cup. And Vince, this is one we did find in Sizzlers this horse, but uh, uh, it it was it was a quirky sort of day as it is at Cranbourne. But just firstly, before I ask you about the cup, seemingly the tracks played very well on their cup day. Uh, given that well, there was some rain, given there was uh, rain about. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. Good spread of winners. There was a good spread of winners and there was plenty of speed when it was asked for yep. in the high pressure races. Overall, what I typically like to see is that home straight being nice and firm. And it was, and, and it's very, very clear. It was rock solid. I would consider it G3 and maybe maybe to that 800 metre point, possibly, possibly I I, I could have said, okay, if I take away the outlying run, which was that race number nine, where there was just like super high extension, that could have been probably S5 range, Ralphie, overall. And then again, not that I I feel this is common, but that 400 metre point was a little bit off. So we just had that two-track play. (sighs) Was that enough to make a difference on the day not really because that home straight really inside the 300 meter mark was just exactly how you want it and if you weren't overextended which was the case in the majority of races your chance was there outlier race shapes can uh, can sometimes provide uh, quirky results going forward and sometimes an opportunity to make money up at Flemington on the 16th of September, they would have put Charterhouse in that race saying, well, this is a nice little kickoff. It'll be usual Flemington 1200 where they just sort of bunch up and you can work your way home and then we can attack the spring. Well, this is what we wrote in Sizzlers. This is a hidden run and this import is clearly at his best in the 1400 mile range. Asked to come back to 1200 off a 77 day fresh and he found an outlier race shape where minus 1.5 five lengths below benchmark any more than 10 lengths from the lead. <laughs> 1.4 in the mid-race, minus 1.7400, saw him chase and peak on his run for the last 200 in isolation, just minus 1.6, produced a near 10-length mid-race squeeze when second in the winter final, minus 0.9 overall, ranked third on the day, should elevate from here, back up in trip with a conservative benchmark goal to a new level. Well, he was unplaced in the Turak. That was a fair ask to uh, to jump straight to the Turak at a mile from that 1,200, but on Sunday, he won at $18, Vince, and he produced a good performance. Yeah, huge. And just touching on that run you're talking about, I mean, just on the matrix alone, it was sort of indicating it was above benchmark overall profile. So for sure, superbly spotted. In terms of just the way the race played out on the day, I just sort of sit back here and say a lot of horses had their opportunity if they were good enough. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But this horse charter definitely delivered. And I wonder who took the 18 bucks. <laughs> I, I didn't play myself at all. Yeah, I, I, I didn't play at all myself at Cranbourne, Ralphie. I was like a million miles away f- yep. from that destination in my mind. But again, have a look. High pressure through the first section. They've gone nine and a half lengths faster than standard. And Charterhouse is like just borderline, Ralphie, like in that golden position, a, a length, 
a length further or closer probably puts you absolutely A1. Oh, but gee, I love the way that horse finished the last 400 metres of the race, Ralphie. And this runner, 1.2 above is about right. And hat tip to uh, how well Bustin and Young's going too, because, and this this is a mare with talent, this Foxy Cleopatra. How was the uh, difference in, after such a long time out, how was the difference in race to race speed she had to put up with? And, and she did. Yeah, th- this particular horse here, Ralph, yeah, when you look at it, 11.4 lengths below benchmark. And then you this see. Yeah, this is at Flemington, and then we we find ourselves going plus four. What's that? Fifteen and a half lengths turnaround in speed. <laughs> and she coped. Yeah, she did cope. Well, not only did she cope to do it second up, Ralphie. It's massive. Yeah. It's massive. Maybe it's going to feel the effects of this run, and there could be a rebound. But if they get the twenty-one days in between, I don't know where they're going with this horse. But it's one horse that you definitely want to trend into this preparation because that that's going to make money. And uh, speaking of which, I, I was pretty happy with the result in uh, in in Kembla of uh, Detonator Jack. And and again, as you said, this was a horse who was targeted at the race. And the question was with Osipenko, uh, would he would he be able to bring his real A game? And uh, and even though on talent, yes. But again, I mentioned that Phils were in the railway stakes, looking at looking at horses who were set to peak and targeted at a race. It's it's always a good filter when it comes to feature races. And and this horse really delivered and a beautiful ride by Jason Collett. <sighs> Ralphie, I mean the explosion. <laughs> now I know on the on on the screen the explosion was there, right? Yeah. But I mean on overall numbers it wasn't in terms of the the last two hundred meters. But they fan so so wide on the track all day. They were too smart, and this was always my big dilemma about the ground conditions was. Where are they going to go? Now, even after race one, they were playing the middle of the track to the outside. <sighs> Probably the rail need to be out another four. But yeah. maybe then if you go out another four metres, it becomes a leader highway. I- I'm not sure, but the reality was it was just too good. Honestly. It probably didn't matter. I mean, Ozopenko, regardless, I mean, I felt when I looked at it and say, okay, well, you're only one and a half lengths behind Detonated Jack. Your mid-race move was identical. You just didn't finish as well. Like, you, yeah. you were done. You were done over the last 200 metres, and uh, the Mar Eustace powerhouse finish, explosion. No wonder they're all smiling, Ralph, because it was phenomenal. In the blinkers, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. And just... I know, obviously, it was a million-dollar race on the day, but it was Kembla's feature day. It's the dominant uh, performer of the day, isn't it? One and a half lengths better than anything else. Yeah, and, and deserved it in the end. It was just way too good. And I'm sure that campaign can't have come to an end for that horse either, could it? You wouldn't think you wouldn't think so. Uh, no, no, in this camp, maybe that nah. maybe they'll go to the Ingham. So I'll ask you a bit more about what what, what you learned from there going forward. Because uh, how do you put a ceiling on this table? So um, that's uh, that's our our, uh, our contribution for uh, year round carnival this week. We're having a week off for the winter bottom, and then we'll be back with the uh, the northerly if you want to get our preview podcast. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening to year round carnival. <laughs>